0: The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
1: Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and go launch sequence. Engineering? Go flight!
0: Master control? Go flight! Studio engineer? Go flight! We are go for launch in T-3, 2, 1. We have liftoff.
2: You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And you can uh, follow us along on Twitter via hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and give us a follow or a like if you haven't done so already. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in, and a happy Easter to you all. We hope you are having a uh, blessed Easter Sunday. Uh, with your families or however you choose to celebrate, we always appreciate your support, uh, whatever the day you tune into the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Well, folks, uh, spring in an election year means that it is getting to be a crunch time for a lot of those who are running for a political office. Obviously, a lot of uh, local BPOU conventions having taken place the past couple of months. And, of course, the uh, Republican Party of Minnesota State Convention taking place next month, mid-May. Well, we will be broadcasting as part of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Yeah, we'll be talking about that a little bit more as the weeks pass on. But we do want to welcome in studio right now uh, Dennis Smith. He vying for the Republican nomination for Minnesota Attorney General. I think we would all agree that regardless of what you feel about each of the individual Republican candidates, any of them would be orders of magnitude Better than the current officer, Attorney General uh, Keith Ellison. And uh, we welcome back now to the broadcast the aforementioned uh, Dennis Smith. Dennis, good to see you again, sir. How are you? Great,
1: thanks. Great to be on your show. I'm doing well, thanks. We're out there working hard on the campaign trail, and it's great to take a break and come in and talk to you.
2: Now, we know I know we've had you on the broadcast uh, previously. Um, for those who maybe had not had an opportunity to hear a little bit about your background, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I grew up not too far from here in White Bear Lake. My dad was a milkman. Um, And he, and he, he raised me and it's where I first learned how to build trust with people. He had keys to over 500 of his customers' homes. We put the milk in the refrigerator often. And uh, later in my youth, I was a BMX racer, bicycle motocross. I was world ranked. I won national championships. I did not know this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Another was, fun fact. Yeah. Okay. I, it's where I learned, uh, you know, how to develop my competitive edge. Yeah. I went to college at North Dakota State University. Go Bison. Mm. A
2: pretty good football year. You, you, you've earned uh, favor with uh, my colleague Mitch Berg on that one. I love good. it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And I,
1: I went to law school at night at William Mitchell College of Law. And I've practiced law for 22 years, the solo practice, helping thousands of families. I have two great kids. We're a hockey family. I play hockey to this day, taught them how to play hockey. And I was involved in the association uh, politics of, you know, the local, uh, you know, organizing hockey. And uh, then also then I went to the legislature and I was there for four years and I was a bridge builder and I, I, you know, uh, was in part of passing significant, complex legislation. And, you know, that brings us to this day where we have an attorney general who doesn't represent all of Minnesota. He's out of step with Minnesota, and we're finding this as we travel around the state. Right, we've been in eighty-one counties, and uh, since last June, since we launched uh, June fourth, and we're finding that everybody throughout the state, regardless of what party they're in, and we're talking to people, talking to Democrats and Independents and Republicans, and we know we need to do that in order to win this race. We need to do things differently. It's been we know it's been well documented. It's been fifty-six years that the Democrats have had a stranglehold. On that office, Mm. We haven't won statewide and 25 times in a row, 25 times our Republican-endorsed candidates have not won. We need to do things differently. Our campaign is doing it. Come check it out, DennisSmith.org.
2: Fantastic. So uh, as you alluded to the fact, you did serve a couple of terms, Minnesota uh, legislature. I mean, you've always had a—it sounds like you've always kind of had a heart for— Uh, for service. Um, So your time in the legislature, did that kind of fortify it and maybe motivate you to run uh, at this point? Dennis. It did,
1: certainly. Yes. Yet when my time there ended, I I was looking for an opportunity. Where, where can I serve next? And um, a few weeks after I, um, after I was, after I lost my race in 2018, I went out to Washington and met with the Republican Attorney General Association. So I've been thinking about this for years, planning for this for years, Um, Because and because I assumed that Keith Ellison would not be a very good attorney general. I was right.
2: Yeah. I I don't know that there were huge odds on that one, Dennis Smith. So uh, (laughs) but it was a safe bet. Nevertheless, even even odds at Vegas. Right. Well, we could certainly argue that, um, you know, when we think about uh, attorney general, uh, we've uh, as you alluded to, the fact that uh, Republican has not won this race in in I think since the late '60s, '66, yeah. Douglas so said. it is. It's been a it's been a long long drought to to say the least. But I look at an office like Attorney General, and I imagine folks in the public do as well. Um, this should, even though we run as you know party affiliations, this should, by all definitions, Dennis Smith, be a nonpartisan office. And with the Democrats having been been in control, I mean, you talk about Keith Ellison and his predecessors, Laurie Swanson, Mike Hatch. Uh, it hasn't gotten the vibe of having been nonpartisan. What are some of the things that they've done that should make Minnesotans really concerned about how the office is being run?
1: Yeah, um, Keith, Ellen, Keith Ellison especially, he makes the decisions, what happens in his office, through a political lens. He takes a particular case. And ramps up the charges without even reading the file Because it's going to be a great story It's going to get him on TV that night well, you sure. know what? Yeah. I'm not interested in being on MSNBC And I'm not interested in being on Fox News I'm interested in being the state's attorney For every single Minnesotan That's how I will operate that office I will do the best thing for the state of Minnesota I don't care about the politics of it I don't care about getting on TV I'm not trying to pad my resume My resume is just fine I'm interested in doing this job well And he hasn't been doing that well
2: Obviously, law and order, a uh, huge issue around the country. I mean, you could argue that Minnesota was uh, kind of the epicenter of the unrest in the summer of 2020 in the aftermath of George Floyd's killing at the hand of Minneapolis police and how uh, our state's executives uh, handle that certainly left <laughs> left a lot to be desired. But as far as the uh, attorney general's office, what how would what do you think would have been the best methodology to react to that unrest? I know Keith Ellison certainly uh, was at the forefront when he upped the charges on uh, Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, who had his knee on George Floyd's neck, t- took a very proactive role. But a lot of people were left scratching their head saying, okay, you could argue whether that was the right tactic to take. Um, they're certainly open to interpretation. But as far as the actual riots and looting and violence that took place, Not a lot of people seem to have been held accountable, Dennis Smith. Does the Attorney General's office have any purview in that area?
1: Yes. In fact, uh, going back to those nights when our city was burning and the businesses and the homes were being looted, what I would have done differently is I would have been on the street with them. I wouldn't have been hiding like he was. I would have been on the street asking for calm, helping the police, telling people, go home. This is not the way to fix this wrong, this obvious wrong that was done. This is not a way to vent your frustration. So that was that's a different way of, of of style and leadership that you'll see when I'm Attorney General. I will be there when it's happening. I won't be in hiding and come out later. I will be right there. But in in the meantime, yeah, we do not have a very good track record of holding the people accountable. Not just in that that one week time period, and as it spilled out for weeks and weeks. But in all the crime, we're having repeat criminals um, going on right now happening every single day in our Twin Cities and the entire Minnesota because there's no accountability when they do something wrong. And that's not how this is supposed to work. There needs to be accountability when someone does something wrong. And Keith Ellison is not holding these people accountable. I will when I'm attorney general.
2: Now, for those who may not be familiar with, uh, I guess, the um, the political lens, how the uh, structure works in our, our representative government. When you you alluded to the fact that you have a lot of these repeat criminals getting out there and, and reoffending and committing even more serious crimes, despite the fact there are uh, uh, attorneys, maybe prosecuting attorneys, who are indicating it's the, when the judge say hands out a lenient sentence, you know, recommending hey this is this is not a good idea given this criminal's uh, history. Sure enough, the criminal gets out after that light sentence, reoffends again. I ask, is there any purview? That the Attorney General's office could take, because I mean, you look specifically, I don't mean to call on individuals, but I will in this case. Ramsey County Attorney uh, uh, John, uh, Attorney Choi has indicated that pretextual stops, if there's, say, uh, uh, a background, a bad background found in someone who's stopped for, you know, let's say expired license tabs or, you know, an air freshener dangling from the rearview mirror. Yeah, we'll talk about the Dante Wright case in a minute. Yeah. Uh, if there's anything found after that stop, they're not going to go ahead and, and uh, cite that criminal for that arrest warrant. I mean, that's a problem, in my opinion. No, it, it is. Absolutely it is. And so is there any purview, I guess, that the attorney general's office would have in that
1: case? Yeah. So when the county attorney is not doing their job, they can be brought to court from the attorney general. And I will do that. I will hold these county attorneys um, you know, responsible for what they're supposed to do. Okay. But even before that it's 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 establishing a relationship with all the county attorneys, not just the ones that agree with you, not just the ones from your party, right. but all 87. And I've been talking with them as I've been traveling the state and, and a lot of them don't feel supported. They don't feel like they have the attention of the attorney general's office. It's supposed to be a collaboration. The attorney general's office is there to support, not take away the cases that are going to catch you headlines, but actually help them do their jobs. We will do that. And Um, So then the other part about is the judges when the judges aren't doing their jobs, when they're handing out low bail or no bail and and they're way off the spectrum as to what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. I will hold them accountable. That includes but it's not limited to having private conversations with them, but then having public conversations with them. Sure. Calling out the judges, saying, you know, or the prosecutors, you let this person go on this light sentence. They had a repeat crime. We read about this too often in the paper that these things happen. And there's no accountability for the judges when that happens. Well they're up for election um, every election year also. So let's, so I will help hold these judges accountable through the ballot box, which is how this is supposed to happen.
2: And this, this may be kind of an, an aside and may, and obviously doesn't have a lot to do with the race, but you talk about judicial elections. I mean, we we see statewide office holders and their records poured over and the legislative candidates and their records constantly scrutinized, as they should be. Right. But it doesn't seem like the judges are held... Uh, to that same standard, I don't. I don't know if people just don't want to look that far into it, or if because typically it's just incumbents on the ballot, they don't have a don't have a challenger. But uh, I think that's something that could certainly uh, be more heavily scrutinized. Dennis it, Smith, and should be. Oh,
1: indeed, it absolutely should. And and part of the reason is that these cases are complex, and there's a lot of information. Mm, but we, right. as a society, can help boil that down and break down a case. Um, And make that information available for people. But then also we can help as conservatives. We can find people to run for judge, support them, help them in all the ways that campaigns need help. And we know what all those things are and tell them if you run, we will be there. We will help you. So people actually have a choice and then promote that. As we know, in Hennepin County, where I live last election cycle, we had 43 judges on the ballot. Wow.
2: Guess how many were had an opponent? None of them, zero. Of okay, them. I would have, I would have guessed at least a few, none but none of them. Of them. Okay. If I remember correctly, well, it's zero for
1: forty-three. That's part of the problem. Let's present competition. Competition is good. It makes us better.
2: Once again, we are joined in studio by uh, Attorney General candidate Dennis Smith. He vying for the Republican nomination to oppose Keith Ellison uh, this November. And uh, we'll be back with another segment uh, with Dennis Smith. Again, you can uh, find out more about him and his campaign at DennisSmith.org. Me, Brad Carlson, the closer, uh, broadcasting on Easter. Hope you are having a blessed Easter Sunday, folks. Thank you for tuning in back with another segment with our in-studio guest, Dennis Smith, in mere moments on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280, the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network.
1: You up in the of the night. It's me,
2: Brad Carlson, on an Easter five, Sunday. Five, Thank you, as always, five, for tuning in. Again, night. check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. Feel free to follow us along at Was Facebook the on the Northern Alliance Radio Turn. Network Facebook page. So Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Give us a like or a follow if you haven't done so already, and we appreciate you tuning in. Again, joined in studio by our in-studio guest, Dennis Smith, he vying for the Republican nomination for Minnesota Attorney General. Again, check out his website, DennisSmith.org, where you can find out more about where he stands on the issues, uh, different uh, events that he's going to be participating in. Uh, Speaking of events, Dennis Smith, we've uh, made a couple of allusions to it. Uh, The uh, Republican Party of Minnesota State Convention taking place next month. Mid May, uh are you foregoing the endorsement process? Is that under am I understanding I, that correctly? I am, yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, last tell me
1: why. Yeah, last June fourth when we launched our campaign shortly thereafter, one of your colleagues had me on their show and I talked about how this race was so important that we've lost statewide races twenty five times in a row mm-hmm. against Democrats, our endorsed candidate, their unendorsed candidate. I said, So I'm gonna fight for the endorsement, but if I don't if I don't win it, I'm going to the primary. I've been honest about that from the very okay. beginning. And we need to do things differently. We we haven't been winning very much. You know, True. It's been fifty six years for the Republicans with the AG spot. So um, just before caucuses rolled out, the party did some things, some party insiders that uh, gave the uh, impression to me and many others that that this election was going to be was not going to be fair. And we've got some issues with voter integrity in our party. Donald Trump, our great president, has been talking about that. So. We decided to forego the endorsement process and and, and focus on winning the nomination um, in August uh, with the party. And so we switched gears. And the reception, Brad, has been incredible. We've been, as we've been around the state, um, it's been a breath of fresh air. And, you know, these are proud Republicans saying that, you know, I can't be in Rochester that weekend. I want to have a say in who represents us in all four constitutional offices, not just the attorney general. Um, and it's a recognition that our caucus system, where it's only down to nine other states that are that are that are doing this, that system is not fairly representing all Republicans. That's why all the other states are stepping away from it. Virginia, my last point on this: we talk about the great wins that we had in Virginia last November. True, one governor and attorney general escape. They modified their process to be more like a primary state and less like a caucus state. That's not talked about. We need to have more um, balanced candidates representing our party uh, without giving in on any of our principles that appeal more to Minnesota, especially in the purple Minnesota state. And I have a record of winning purple districts as I did in the House of Representatives. That's why we're going to win this race against Keith Ellison.
2: So obviously, uh, Keith Ellison, given some of the big interests that uh, he represents, uh, going to have quite the fundraising hall to to be sure. Uh, it was As we talk about on the show all the time, the fundraising race, uh, it's not the most important who wins and who raises the most money, but it is important right. at the same. you It is imperative that you get your message out there. And obviously, fundraising goes a long, long way towards that. Uh, just within the past couple of days, Dennis Smith, uh, you reported some uh, pretty strong uh, fundraising numbers. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've we've um, raised over a million dollars uh, a campaign to date. Um, and for cash on hand, which is really the true measure, true, yeah. how much you raise is important, but how much you have in the bank is, you know, what people really look at. We have over twice as much as Keith Ellison. So over twice as much, really, yeah, over okay. twice as much as the three year incumbent attorney general. He was in Congress for how long, 16 years. And, and we're, we're twice as much cash on hand as the incumbent attorney general. That is showing the strength of our campaign, how we have so much grassroots, uh, support, and um, and we plan on, you know, and I'm all in on this race. I mean, it, it was it's been documented on Twitter. If you followed in Twitter that I contributed um, some personal funds to this race. OK, yeah, I, I am committed to this race. We've made a plan. We're going to spend every penny that we have because we're going to beat Keith Ellison. We're going to break this 56 year stranglehold that the Democrats have on this position.
2: So uh, we talked about some of the uh, high profile incidents that have taken place. Here in Minnesota, certainly the George Floyd incident, literally worldwide headlines. Another one that gained national attention uh, was it was just over a year ago when a young man, Dante Wright, Brooklyn Center, uh, had an altercation with police when they intended to take him under arrest uh, because he had an outstanding warrant out for his arrest. Uh, He attempted to get away. And while the officer, Kimberly Potter, uh, thought claimed she was reaching for her taser, uh, inadvertently grabbed her firearm and ended up shooting him dead. As we talked about, this is, one, this is another case where Keith Ellison inserted himself. Initially, the charges were going to be second-degree manslaughter, and the uh, Washington County attorney, uh, Pete Orpit, who recently passed away, sadly, was slated to take that case and prosecute Kim Potter for second-degree manslaughter. You had activists going to his house right. demanding that they upcharge it to murder. Not even Keith Ellison went that far, but he did take over the case and up the charge to first-degree manslaughter on which he was convicted. Maybe kind of give a, a kind of an overview of that case, Dennis Smith, and how that was uh, particularly handled, because I know we've talked about this. I, I get a sense, and again, I'm not in the minds of the jury, but I get a sense that had they gone with less than the maximum charge that was administered, again, first-degree uh, manslaughter, there would have probably been even more unrest in Let's be honest, all of us have a little PTSD when we look back at the summer of 2020, Dennis right. Smith. Right, and I think the process when we look at
1: this particular case is important. Um, there's so many things to talk about. So the process about how this case ended up on the attorney general's office uh, on, on his desk and how it got, it got moved around. Um, and, and that's an issue because the attorney general should never be taking over a case. The attorney general needs to be asked to take over the case. There's, there's, there's been some confusion in some writings about this, about how did that actually happen? Did the attorney general want this case because they knew there would be some headlines? um and uh, it you know the attorney general didn't initially want it even though the uh, county attorney was asking for help so that's confusing the attorney general needs to be responsible and represent all of Minnesota even when a case might make it uncomfortable with your friends the upcharging of the of the charges i felt like that was done prematurely without a thoughtful analysis of the facts of the case the judicial system is meant to move slow important things are happening Lives are at stake. You need to respect the people that were hurt. You need to respect the process. You need to make sure that it's the right charges, um, you know, for the people that are involved. So I think that was a critical mistake that the Attorney General made, also. And every smart attorney will say you never um, argue with a jury once the decision has been made. Mm-hmm. So they made their decision, sure. Um, and you know, and I, I have you know concerns about it because we are, we're, you know, clearly there's issues with our police department. They've lost the trust of you know, with, with, with the public and I'm uniquely qualified to help restore the trust, not just with the police department, but with other components. My opening line on my stump speech, it hasn't changed since June 4th is that we've lost trust in our institutions, our government, the media, our judicial system, even some with each other. I think this is a case where it represents that. Um, and the police need to, we, 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 had, we need to be support the police in a way where when a mistake is made that they're not going to be um, charged inappropriately. The police just want to be treated fairly. They're fine with transparency. They want to be held accountable. They want a fair shake. Um, and it, it it feels like in this case, it didn't happen. And then what we have then, the other component is the judge stepped in and gave a sentence that I think surprised everybody that was following this case. And now all of a sudden, um, uh, the, the people that maybe wanted a stronger sentencing or stronger uh, charges, weren't happy with with the you know with what the judge said. Right. Not only what the judge determined for the number of months of incarceration, but also with how the judge said it. Right. This goes back to our last segment. Um, our actions have consequences. Judges are up for reelection. If you don't like what a judge did, now that's public record. Let's get that True. information out and then you know and go defeat that judge, challenge that judge at the you know at the voting booth.
2: We have a, a few minutes remaining with our uh, chat with Dennis Smith again. He vying for the Republican nomination. Uh, for, uh, for Minnesota Attorney General to oppose Keith Ellison. And, uh, by the way, Dennis, I, I just want to say I did appreciate the very straight answer about the endorsement process because, unfortunately, we get a lot of candidates who are very evasive, try to play both sides of it, but you were very uh, upfront and transparent, and we definitely appreciate that. Uh, like I say, Dennis, we have a couple of minutes remaining, so I just want to uh, end with this. What does day one on a Dennis Smith, Minnesota Attorney General Dennis Smith look like? what is What are some of your top priorities once you assume that office, if you assume that office? Yeah, the,
1: so um, the, the main theme will be changing the tone and tenor that our government, the relationship our government and the Attorney General Office has with the public. That has been broken for 56 years. I will change that. The three initiatives, we're going to reduce crime, we're going to end human and sex trafficking, a commission I started um, uh, uh, two months ago, a month and a half ago. Um, it's abhorrent what's happening to um, to our people in Minnesota. So um, human and sex trafficking will be ended. And number three, I will hold the government accountable when they do something wrong whether it's changing the election rules whether it's farmers getting their land taken Mm. without proper process Uh, when our agencies do something wrong or our businesses do something wrong i will hold them accountable i'll be the people's attorney for all of minnesota
2: once again we have been joined in studio by dennis smith he's uh, again vying for the republican nomination uh to oppose keith ellison uh, again, Dennis, I've given out your website DennisSmith.org. dot I'm, I'm assuming people uh, can go there if they like what they've heard. Uh, donate money. Find you on social media. All that good stuff.
1: Yes, all that good stuff. Yeah, we're on, on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram. And you know, find, come out to one of our events. We're we're traveling the state. We're having events all over. We're campaigning in a little bit different way. It's making a difference. We're using technology that's never been used before. It's transforming how we campaign. It's going to produce a W for the Republicans in November. We're going to defeat.
2: Dennis, we appreciate your time today. Uh, Happy Easter to you and yours. Hope you have a blessed rest of the day, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the trail again. Thank you.
1: Happy Easter. Thank you. AM
2: 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson, back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. Hope you and yours are having a blessed Easter Sunday. The uh, Candidate Palooza, I guess you could say, uh, continues. Again, it's that time of year where uh, candidates, both local and statewide, are out hitting the trail. So we appreciate uh, when they are willing to take a few minutes to come, stop by and say hello and uh, talk to our listeners. And joining us in studio right now is Kim Crockett. She vying for the Republican nomination for Secretary of State, almost said Attorney General, Secretary of State uh, to oppose uh, current Secretary of State Steve Simon this November. Kim Crockett, welcome back to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Good to see you.
3: Good to see you too. Thanks for having me.
2: So, uh, how is the uh, campaign faring thus far? Statewide race? Uh, what is it? Eighty-seven counties, and uh, how many have you hit thus far, Kim? Crockett?
3: Eighty-seven counties. Um, well, we've been we've been approaching it through the BPOU convention cycle. Sure, things are going really well. By the way, to answer that question, um, it's been more enjoyable than I had imagined.
2: Really? Okay.
3: Yeah, because Minnesota is a beautiful state it's It's part of why I'm fighting there right. is no other state like this with our lakes and our forests and our rich you know farmland, and I get to see that driving around the state. I think I've put like fourteen fifteen thousand miles on my car. It's not just the BPOU conventions. And let's explain what that means. Sure. Basic political operating unit. It's the most awkward thing. It's like, could we please call it something else? But these are the Senate districts that organize post-caucus, post-precinct level, you know, around the state in the Republican Party. And so we've hit, boy, as many conventions around the state as we can And the Congressional District uh, Convention started a couple weeks ago with um, CD2 and CD5. We've got those behind us. And April 23rd, a week from uh, uh, Saturday, um, we will have four uh, Congressional District Conventions. CD1, CD3, CD4, and CD6. And I will... You'll be there? I will be there. Okay. I mean, there have been weekends where there were, you know, thirty conventions or whatever, and my team did their best to hit thirty out of thirty-three one weekend, and we had 18 one weekend, and I hit eight of them, and the team was the team was absolutely all of them. So we're having a blast. Um, I am um, humbled by the kind of talent that has been attracted to, the, you know, to Team Kim or Team Crockett, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have guys from every military service, um, you know, retired, mm-hmm. the Marines, the Air Force, the Navy, um, and, a, and a young uh, Army officer in training uh, who are helping with our strategic plan so that we can cover the state but also make sure we pick up the phone yeah, and, right. and call delegates. That's our constituency right now are the people vying to be um, state state delegates, uh, CD and state delegates. So uh, to wrap it up, um, we're doing really well on our read of the delegate count. Um, I don't know if you saw the release of the financial reports that we had to turn in on, on Monday Thursday, which I think is an obnoxious deadline by the way. yeah, yeah. So we got Monday Thursday state reports. For candidates. Uh, FEC reports due on Good Friday.
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: And our taxes. Yeah, Although right. I guess they can be booked on Monday. But right. I mean, it's right. like our government has become deaf to major Christian. That doesn't sound like our Holland. government. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we're having so the people that I get to meet right now, Brad, are amazing folks. It's not just the um, people that you and I have known for years who are involved in the Republican Party or the conservative or libertarian movement because of 2020, where there's this overwhelming sense that something went sideways uh, with the 2020 election.
2: Would you say that was your motivation for getting in this race, Kim Crockett?
3: Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, for such a time as this is mm-hmm. the way I put it. Yes. To, to people. There's credentials that got built over the last 30 years. I just didn't know that this is what it was leading to, but what I'm finding at these BPOU and, and CD conventions is that I'll ask people, um, "How many of you are new to the political process?" And it's between sixty and seventy-five percent of the hands up. Really? Of the and then the next question I ask is, if I remember, is "How many of you are here because of election integrity issues?" And it's practically the whole room. OK, including our veterans who've been working year in and year out in the political process, doing all that hard work of caucus and BPOU conventions because it's thankless. Sure. And they don't get paid. And right. And people like to criticize them. And some of them deserve criticism because they're, you know, because of their process. But the, there is an excitement out there. And so the people that are going to be in Rochester at my endorsing convention in less than a month,
2: mm-hmm. are, up quick. a lot
3: of them are new. Brad, yeah, right. And so the challenge is: how do we keep? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping some delegates, new and old, are listening um, to this. How do we keep them engaged? Um, you know, people are running for school board and state state office and statewide office, like me. Who, I mean, I'm I'm not new to you. I'm I'm an outsider though to uh to public office, but I'm i I've got an inside track, right? right. Because I've been yeah. working policy and advocacy for, you know, 15 plus years as a as a lawyer and a policy analyst in Minnesota. So how do we keep people? How do we keep that momentum going uh, past 2022?
2: So speaking, of, it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, as you alluded to, the fact secretary of states office, one of the constitutional offices, I would venture to say, you know, people outside of their own state wouldn't know the names of individual secretaries of state in other states until this past election cycle, because all of a sudden, a lot of them, unwittingly or not, were inserting themselves in the news because of these election integrity issues. Mm -hmm. What specifically in Minnesota should citizens have been concerned about? Because we recall back to just prior to Election Day, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was they were they were putting like a a COVID provision, and I use COVID provision in in scare quotes because I think the uh, the judge's ruling there's no pandemic exception to the Constitution that, that they Adams were Kavanaugh. Yeah, they were allowing. Uh, uh, I guess it was uh, absentee ballots or whatnot to still be accepted even after election day, as long as they're postmarked. That was a unilateral move by, done by the Secretary of State's office. Can't do that, Kim Crockett.
3: Right. Um, yeah. Well, COVID was used as a cover for a lot of unlawful things. Mm-hmm. I call I call 2020 unlawful or lawless is how is how I put it. Fair. All designed, in my opinion, to put the thumb on the scale for Steve Simon's uh, political party. Uh, They call it the DFL. I call them Social Democrats. They're Socialist Democrats or progressives. They don't represent farmers anymore. They don't represent private labor. They're totally in the bag for public sector unions, of course. Oh, yes. So they're done. They're Socialist Democrats or progressives. Call them them what you will. But they used COVID as a cover to do a number of things. And what you're alluding to uh, is something that Steve Steve Simon did. Um, he, he, uh, He cut a deal with a guy named Mark Elias, who's the head of the democracy docket. Um, That group is basically the advanced legal team for the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Uh, Mark Elias is also Hillary Clinton's lawyer in 2016. And law partners with a guy named Andrew Sussman. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Got indicted by the FBI for, or got indicted by uh, by the Department of Justice or the special prosecutor. uh, What's his name? Durham for lying to the FBI about the Steele dossier. These are the people that Steve Simon is hanging out with. So he cut a a deal. Uh, Elias filed many suits around the country, one against uh, Steve Simon here. And the attorney general's office and Simon cut a deal in Ramsey County court called a consent decree. What did it do? It extended the 2020 election by seven days, and it waived two critical uh, safeguards for absentee ballots. Uh, number one, a postmark.
2: Mm-hmm. That's that's, kind of, that's pretty vital, I would a say. Postmark. I mean, if you're if you're going to say, "Hey, this was a postmarked election day," so we can still count it. But if there's going to be no postmark,
3: right. that's And then uh, a, a witness signature on the absentee mm. ballot. So, uh, woo, you know, it's just a, like <laughs> right. what the heck? Let's oh, just you scary. know, it's, it's you know, whatever. Uh, that's the sloppy. So at the end of the day, what you can conclude from that consent decree is Steve Simon doesn't care about election integrity. He he's we can wrap that around his neck fairly. Now that law that led to a lawsuit. There were actually a couple in play. In I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on why the RNC and our own party dropped a suit about that, but it had it had to do with stuff that was going on at the Supreme Court. Good or bad decision, I think it was a bad one to drop it, but they did. But along came some heroes. Representative Eric Lucero, in his capacity as a Trump elector, along with a guy named Jim Carson, who's a longtime political, no, Jim. A- yep. Yep, CD4, political activist, good guy. They served as plaintiffs in a suit mm-hmm. as Trump electors Remember that, to huh? sue Steve Simon and say, you can't do that you just circumvented the state legislature the state constitution and the US constitution and they went into federal court and the 8th circuit court of appeals ultimately ruled the those electors are right steve simon and they excoriated simon in the opinion so people keep saying well why didn't why didn't he get punished i mean people are tired of elected officials playing fast and furious with with just our basic sense of fairness, right? Let alone the law. Like Kim, what are we going to do about this? And the answer is because Biden was, you know, you know, Biden was one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, stumbling there because you know, I don't know if he did or he didn't. Um, because Biden was declared the winner in Minnesota, that lawsuit went poof. Sure, there was no practical effect for it. It became what's called moot.
2: Once again, we are joined in studio by Kim Crockett. She vying for the Republican nomination for Minnesota Secretary of State. Back with another one final short segment with Kim in studio. Go nowhere. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Hope you and yours are having a blessed Easter Sunday. Finishing up our discussion with Kim Crockett, she vying for the Republican nomination for Minnesota Secretary of State, and I'd be remiss if I didn't cover a logistical item. KimSOS.com dot is the website, Kim. KimSOS, yes. okay. Isn't that cool? I love it. KimSOS.com. dot com. SOS has so many different connotations in uh-huh. this uh, aspect, Kim Crockett. So very <laughs> ingenious. So, uh, you know, we did Thanks. mention how uh, next month, or actually a little less than four weeks from now, the Minnesota. State convention for the Republican Party will be taking place down in Rochester. Are you abiding by the party endorsement, Kim Crockett, even if you don't happen to receive it?
3: Yes, I am. Okay. I'm a firm believer in that.
2: All right, no, no, uh, no, uh, no clarifications, uh, no disclaimers. You're inviting by the endorsement. Okay, right by the endorsement, it's on the record, folks. So, okay. So again, KimSOS.com is a website your one stop shop for everything, and including if you uh, like what you hear thus far and like to throw some money into the into the pot, you certainly can. Uh, I think, um, regardless of who the candidate ends up being for Secretary of State on the Republican side. Uh, definite upgrade from Steve Simon, as you're hearing Kim talk about. Uh, we did leave off last segment, Kim Crockett, with the lawsuit that was brought by a couple of uh, Trump electors. And because Biden ended up winning the state, really not a whole lot was uh, pursued on that end. So looking forward, uh, what uh, what other aspects of the office are there of Secretary of State? People think Secretary of State, they think election integrity. Certainly an important part about it, but there is so much to the office that— um, you probably have covered some, some uh, stump speeches, Kim Cracker. Why don't you share with us um, a little bit?
3: Yeah, but I would actually like to stick with election integrity because we don't have a well, state that is important. And yeah, we do not have a republic. Please We do, do yeah. not have election integrity. The business service side, Brad. I've been polling people all over the state. You know, I've been a, a lawyer for you know decades. Uh, I've done a lot of work with the Secretary of State's office, actually, with filings and so forth. There is some work to be done there. But it all pales in comparison to election integrity. That's fair, yeah. Um, I want to find out how the people of Minnesota really vote. So let's start with what would happen if I were secretary of state. And let me just point out that the secretary is a constitutional officer listed in our constitution right after the governor, Okay. before the attorney yep. general. Uh, that was on purpose, I think, because back then people understood that the administration of elections was absolutely critical to our freedoms uh, as a self-governing people. Now, um, the office is not supposed to make law, though there is rulemaking authority. And again, Simon, whom I call Simon, says, has been coloring outside of the lines. This is something Kiffmeyer has complained about, our former Secretary of State, now Senator in charge of elections, as well as other legislators, if you take the statutory language and certain rules, he plays games with it. Mm. Um, So if I'm sworn in next January, I'm going to immediately meet with all 87 uh, county auditors, whether they're appointed or elected, and say there is a new sheriff in town, and we are going to be sticking to statutory law. The secretary of state should not be changing the law to fit what he or she prefers. Right. For example, not following the political party balance rule when uh, absentee ballots are counted. Simon has led the county auditors astray. Uh, and unfortunately, the statutory language is sloppy. and needs to be redone. So um, he has he has allowed in 2020 six out of ten votes to be counted by county ballot boards that do not have a Democrat and Republican sitting there looking at these things. Okay, which is what I believe the legislature intended. Right. And Simon Danwell knows that because he was in the legislature at the time, right? Um, but this is something the legislature needs to fix. But in the meantime. As Secretary of State, I could say to those auditors, I expect you to follow the party balance rule. Uh, Absolutely. I also will be directing local election officials and county auditors to deny Zuckerberg access to their offices. He has shifted now from directly funding election operations, it's called Zuckbucks or Zuckerbucks, in 2020, and he's kind of going around the back door now with an $80 million program to help local election officials with their databases and their websites. Of course. And their effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And you should see the, Go look it up. Center for Tech and Civic Life, guys. It's, it's creepy. So instead of coming through the front door like they did under the cover of COVID in 2020, they're sneaking around the back door to run elections for our country.
2: Do you think that uh, that's going to be ginned up again? Because there has been a spike in in COVID cases. And do you think that that's going going to be a factor again where people are going to...
3: You know, who's running around in masks? Yeah, Our governor. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't followed Simon around, but he's probably got one to whip out of his pocket too. So so that's the first thing I would do to immediately improve. Because remember, we're going to have 2024 right in front of us next January. And those elections have to be run with integrity and run well. The other thing I would do is immediately go to the legislature. Now, because I've already been working with the legislature as a policy person for quite some time, and before I announced, but also after, because I know this stuff, that package is pretty much set to go. Okay. And it'll take a little bit of time legislatively to get things done. What? Voter ID, provisional ballots, no more 46 days of voting. Okay. That just leads to chaos, unnecessary expense, and it, and it reduces our confidence in the outcome. When you have 6 out of 10 or even 3 out of 10 votes, first of all, being counted by bureaucrats, mm-hmm. uh-uh. Right. So right. we go and we fix things from a legislative standpoint. What people don't realize, and I think this includes a lot of people who are vying for a Republican endorsement, that as soon as we pass that package of reforms that we all want all of us vying for endorsement want the biden department of justice is going to be like the hounds of hell released on us (laughs) through the the voting rights division at doj they're going to call us jim crow 2.0 of course jim eagle that was another
2: uh, vapid line the president put forth so yeah we're going to
3: have to stand strong uh, this is why I think the person who gets the endorsement should be an attorney with deep a deep network of people to call on to help us resist the litigation and the and the condemnation that the corporate media will whip out against us as Republicans in minnesota they 'll be accusing us of trying to suppress the black vote and all those other things, and of course, that's those are false accusations. They're just trying to shut anytime us up a push, and stop us. Yeah,
2: anytime there's a push for voter ID, that right. that talking point that comes out. Yeah,
3: it's the most racist thing it I've is. ever heard in my life. You know, I mean, that's just blatant. Um, anyway, so that gives you a flavor of of what I would want to what I would want to do. But just keep in mind that the and I wish Simon would that the legislature is the one that is responsible for setting our laws. Correct. Not the Secretary of State's office, uh, just as the Governor you know is is passive in the sense that until a bill gets to his or her desk, you know it's not law yet, right, so you got to know your your role in the constitutional scheme, so that's what a Crockett uh, Secretary of State's office would look like, and i it would be so exciting to clean things up, and my goal, Brad, is to restore. Everyone's confidence Very in elections, yeah. not just Republicans, but Democrats as well, because then uh, maybe Thanksgiving can be peaceful again. Kim,
2: we appreciate the time. Once again, Kim Crockett vying for the Republican nomination for Minnesota Secretary of State. KimSOS.com is your website. Kim, have a blessed Easter. Thanks, Thanks for checking in.
3: Same to you, Brad.
2: Back and with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere.
3: Turn all of the